Who Do You Think You Are is a fascinating program. Just last week, I think it was Julie Bishop, our previous uh, Foreign Minister of Foreign Affairs. It's a remarkable program. You know, it's been running now for over 11 years. The interest is enormous. Of course, it's really because it's sponsored by Ancestry.com and they certainly are very happy to, to support that because it encourages people to begin to have a sense of what's your background? Who are you? Where you come from? What do you do? How did you get here? And I guess they're good questions in a way. And that's why that's such a popular program. I think all of us hope that in some or other we're related to some lord or lady or there's some wonderful person in our background and most times people are a bit disappointed, although increasingly our very, people are very happy to discover that they've actually got convicts in their background. That's now a plus in our Australian society. Well, I'm not sure about that for all of us personally, but certainly I think for us as a question that we begin this series is, who are we as Baptists? Who is a Baptist? Oh. Martin Luther King Jr., significant person in the history of our contemporary world. Billy Graham. Glenn Stevens, our previous governor of the Reserve Bank. Andrew Scipioni, the, the immediate past uh, commissioner of police here in New South Wales, all members of Baptist communities. So the question is, what are we then? Who are we? I mean, we call ourselves a Baptist church, a Baptist community centre. That's how we label ourselves in this, this area. But what does that mean for us? How do we understand that word? I mean, who are we in that way? Well, we're affiliated with the Baptist churches of New South Wales, over 360 Baptist churches, some gathering like us today for the first time for a long while. We... We're funded by Baptist Financial Services and very grateful for their support. We're insured by Baptist Insurance Services. As a part of the Baptist Association of New South Wales, we're a part of the Australian Baptist Movement, over a 1,000 Baptist churches now in Australia. Through there, we link to the Asia-Pacific Asia Baptist Federation, linking churches in the Asia-Pacific. And we're a part of Baptist World Alliance, which accounts for over 48 million baptised believers, meeting in over 123 countries in about 180,000 churches across the world. But who are we? Well, over long history, 400 years ago. Well, none of us in this room have that sort of history, do we? But I wonder, what about your history? I mean, my history is, yes, uh, some number of years ago now when I was still doing some tertiary study, some mates invited me to go to the local Baptist church up the road from the house where I lived. And that was my beginning experience of finding my way into this group of people called Baptists. And, and what are they like? And who are they? Now, some people say, well, does it really matter? Well, I guess if you ask some people here today about do they follow a football code, they say yes. And does it really matter what team you follow? Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes. And today's either a happy day or a sad day for you, depending on the results out of yesterday or over this weekend, won't it be? Yeah. <laughs> for those at home, there's some comments coming out of the community here, but we, we, I'll avoid those if I can. But see, there is a sense of, yeah, we do. We're in teams. We, we belong. What, what do we belong to? And that's what we're going to discover over these next four weeks. What does it mean to belong to this community of people? And so over these four weeks, we're going to look at a series where we're going to look at who do we follow, and that's today, the question of being Jesus-centred. Who are we? How do we, how do we join together? How do we operate together, a community of faith? Uh, what do we do? What's our primary focus? How do we join God in his mission? And finally, how do we respond to others? 
How do we live with a level of freedom both for them and for us together? Now this material, in fact, we're going to look at a video in just a moment, but just before we look at that, I want to say this material is available online. And for those who are in small groups and you're doing it, you already have that material. If you're not or if at home and you want to see that, if you go to www.baptist.org.au, the material's all there to be downloaded and to be looked at together. So there's good resources there for us that'll help us have these next four weeks. But what we wanted to do this morning is to begin by looking at this, this series to explore who are, who are we, what are our values, what are the things that help us work together, what does God expect of us? Well, let's look at the first video, which deals with this issue of being Jesus-centred. As Australian Baptist churches, organisations and associations, we have a shared story that has shaped what we value and who we are. By understanding our core values, we are well positioned to respond and adapt to our ever-changing contexts. In this series, we explore these values so you can consider how they guide your ministry. They are informed by our understanding of the gospel, are resonant with our history, and are shared by our National Baptist Movement. They provide a framework from which we can all step into the future with confidence in who we are and in the one we follow. We start not with ourselves, but with God. We believe in the God who reveals himself through Father, Spirit and Son. Baptists have always emphasised Jesus as the one that we are called to follow, the one who reveals God to us and the one through whom God is reconciling all things. Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body and he is therefore the centre of who we are and all that we do. Jesus is our ultimate authority and we always seek to be led by him. This taken authority comes from the very beginning of our story in history. We were part of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, and then those who were later called dissenters in England. Because while other groups appealed to popes and kings to set the agenda, formulate creeds and write traditions, the early Baptists were different. They focus on the fact that Jesus reveals himself to all people at all times in all settings. They believe that everyone can be open to hearing him speak. This idea has been carried through to today, as we too are invited here and now to listen and respond to Jesus. This means that our churches and organisations don't all look, feel and operate in the same way. Our common core values frame all that we do, but in practice, there'll be some diversity, flexibility, and even sometimes some messiness but our shared goal is always to listen to Jesus and to follow his lead. We believe that every follower of Jesus has been gifted with the Holy Spirit, enabling us all to hear the Spirit's voice. When we gather as churches and organisations, we seek to discern the Spirit's leading together. We do this by taking time to grow in our own faith and in our relationships, so we can listen well to one another, trusting that the Spirit is at work among us. This also means listening intently to the scriptures. We believe they are inspired by God and through them, he continues to reveal himself to us today. We trust the Bible as a source and authority of our faith and practice. We seek to be formed and reformed by entering into and living out of the biblical story. We listen to the spirit speaking to us today as we engage the Bible and together we interpret it as a community. 
We want to spend time hearing its words, reading them, reflecting on them, speaking them and sharing them as a community. As we do this, God's words transforms us. So, we are led by the Holy Spirit, formed and reformed by the scriptures, and we are centered on Jesus. This is a foundation we return to again and again, giving us confidence and hope. This is at the heart of our values. We stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us in our faith communities. We honor the legacy they have left us and the guiding values and frameworks from the scriptures that have been entrusted to us. And we are grateful for the freedom we have been given within this to respond to the new challenges we face as we live out what it means to follow Jesus and lead his people where we find ourselves right now. Did you catch that line in the video? There's a lot of good stuff in there. But the line that struck me was this line. It says, Baptists have always emphasised Jesus as the one who we're called to follow, the one who reveals God to us, the one through whom God is reconciling all things, the centre of who we are and all we do. I want to unpack that this morning just in, with three simple components uh, that we might have a look at together. And the first one of this is whole notion. What does it mean for Jesus to be, for us to be Jesus-centred? What does it mean for Jesus to, to be at the core of who we are? What does it mean for you and for me? Well, three things. The first thing it means that to make Jesus the centre of who you are or who we are and what we do, we need to listen and respond to him. And so the scripture that Murray read for us, the, the scripture of the, the call of the initial disciples in Matthew 4, that said Jesus, while he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw the two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And then just a little while later in, in Luke's, in Matthew's narrative, in chapter 9, you also have the call of Matthew with the same words. And Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. And Matthew got up and followed him. At the very core of how we gather and who we are is the reality of our own personal responses to Jesus' call for us to follow him. It's not whether you're born in a particular parish or you have a particular tradition or where you might come from. And we could test that this morning even and saying which of us, who in this room actually has come out of a, a Baptist background? Who had parents who were Baptists who went regularly to Baptist churches? Many of us would not respond to that in the sense that we didn't. I certainly didn't. I came out of a nominal Anglo-Catholic. Dad was a nominal Anglican, mum was a nominal Catholic. I didn't come out of a Baptist background group. My, my background was different. My forming was in a different place. And so in this room today, I'm sure we'll have people who've got come out of Presbyterian backgrounds, Methodists uniting, uh, other Catholics and Anglicans like myself, Pentecostal backgrounds, Orthodox backgrounds, a whole heap of people. And some of us come from no background at all. The question isn't our background. The question is, who are we following? It isn't a matter of what traditions that we may have been a part of, even though some of those traditions certainly presumed people were accepting Jesus. I know as I was confirmed as an Anglican 13, my confirmation was what the promises my parents had made for me, which were that I would follow Jesus. And at confirmation, I needed to confirm that. I went through the process, but I didn't understand what was happening. 
It wasn't until much later, in my, my, early, my, late 20, my late teens, early 20s, that suddenly I discovered the reality that Jesus was calling me. And our journeys are different. None of us are the same. The lovely thing I like is that God, who creates us, gives us all our unique DNA. So our particular experiences won't be exactly the same, but there's going to be a commonality in there. I still remember distinctively that moment when Jesus said to me, as I imagined that and heard that in my own heart and mind, Keith, there are two ways. You've got to choose which way. And we know there are only two ways. In spite of the apparent of a lot of different ways, and we want to be, give grace and, and space to people to find their time, but we do know there are only two ways. Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. Jesus gives all of us this lovely invitation and it's at his initiative. This is the lovely thing. His initiative of calling us just like he called those first disciples. What a delightful privilege to know that. That the God of all creation calls you and me as we are to come and to follow him. And that's at the core of who we are as a community of faith. The other communities of faith often are other reasons. And as we talked in the, 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 the video talks briefly about our beginnings 400 years ago. In England at that time, you were born in a particular parish and that made you an Anglican. And that was your, your introduction, who you were and who God was for you. And amongst others called the dissenters, including our forebears, who were the Baptists, were finally to be called Baptists, was says, no, no, no. It's about following Jesus. That's what the New Testament says. And that's what we're going to do. So, friends, at this point, as we, we begin this journey, that's the key element. Have I said yes to Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Are we following Jesus? Are we listening to Jesus? Now, unless we've entered into that personal relationship with Jesus, then it's a bit distant. It's a bit like we've got to read it somewhere else. We've got to catch it on a webinar or we've got to get it on a blog somewhere. No, it can't be like that. The vitality of our community together is absolutely dependent on your vitality and mine. Your work with, walk with Jesus and my walk with Jesus. My openness to his direction, our openness to his direction. That's what we believe when we gather. Lord, through the Spirit, we want to discern your leadership. So I would encourage you... and depending where you are at home or here in this room, to be sure, yes, I've, I've come to the place of recognising who Jesus is for me personally and I hear his personal call to me to follow and I respond. Yes, a lot of fear and trepidation, a lot of unknown, a lot of questions. But in that moment, in that moment, your whole destiny changes. The Spirit of God dwells in us we begin this journey together it's it's a great privilege isn't it we we share that around the communion table remind ourselves again of this finished work of jesus for you and for me there's nothing more important as simple as that is there is nothing more important for you and for me and i look back now over a long period i'm so grateful to god's persistence with me and his patience with me and then his clear clear call for me keith Will you follow me? Will you? Will we? Well, that's how we become Jesus-centred. That's what that's about. Jesus takes the initiative. He calls us and invites us. 
I can't think of a better privilege. You know, as kids growing up and even later at university, I played a lot of sport and you'd be picked into teams. You know that old scheme when you're lined up and the two captains are out the front and they start picking? <laughs> and you're dreading the thought you might be the last one. So two captains fight over, do you want him or does... No, I don't want him. Do you want him? I don't want him. It's not a nice feeling, is it? I've been there once or twice. Here's the lovely thing. It is Jesus saying, I want you. I want you. I want you. Come. Wow. I almost want to stop there and just say, thank you, Lord. That's, that's enough. But then what's that mean for us? Well, the second thing is that the, the issue becomes in to make Jesus centre of who you are and what we do, we need to let him renovate our hearts. In Romans 6 and verses 17, 18 and 23, Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's reflecting here on the transformations happened in the Roman church amongst the Roman people who've come to faith in Jesus. And he, he now says with a wonder it's wonderful what's happened you've moved your whole destiny's moved you've flipped over you've gone from being slaves to sin and now you're going to be slaves to righteousness you invested your lives in one way and now you need to invest them in another way because this is what God wants to do he wants to renovate our lives it's a lovely picture of uh, of, of Jesus wanting to do that for us. I like this, uh, this comes from uh, Dallas Willard. Uh, some of us will be aware of his writing. He died just last year, but a, a lovely commentator, particularly about disciples, you're very strong. He writes this, the human heart, will or spirit, is the executive centre of a human life. The heart is where decisions and choices are made for the whole person. This is its function. This does not mean the whole person actually does only what the heart directs, any more than a whole organisation actually does precisely what the chief executive officer directs. Out of his book, Renovation of the Heart. <laughs> you see, think of it like this in some ways. It's a sense of that the heart is the CEO of the business. But then you've got the vice president of emotions. You've got the vice president of intellect. You've got the vice president, to use those American kind of terminology, I guess we'd call them directors, the directors of emotion, the director of, of intellect, the director of activity, our lives. Here at the centre, this sense of, here's my heart, it's the centre, but the rest of me is not always listening to what the CEO is asking. And, and we get this internal conflict. Paul talks about it in Romans, he talks about his own struggle. I know what I should do, but I do the wrong thing. I have this constant tension, this is the renovation, uh, this is the, the reforming, the forming and reforming as we hear the Lord's direction for us. Come and follow me. Come and follow me and become like me. I'll model for you how to live. I mean, Paul writes to the church at Philippians, yeah, chapter 2 of Philippians, you know, that great church, early church hymn, which talks about, have this mind in you which is like Jesus' mind. You want a model? Do we want a mentor? Do we want a life coach? <laughs> we don't need that. So we already have Jesus. We have the declaration of his life and his words as we have it in the scriptures. So as we together journey forward, as we seek to renovate, as we seek to, to rebuild, to grow, we need to be hearing Jesus. We need to be hearing the spirit of Jesus 
in terms of this is what we do. So it's not creedal statements, not books of law, even though we take notice of our history, but it's that on-dwelling, indwelling, life-giving journey with Jesus. Yes, yes, I want to now become more like Jesus. We want to be more like, we want to be a Jesus-centred community, which in some has all of the, the works and the words of Jesus, has the lovely sense of the, the lovely fragrance of what it is to be followers of Jesus together. No, you and I know that's one heck of a journey. And like Paul, we would say, <laughs> it's almost too hard. It's almost too hard to do it. But you see, what we need to say is, Jesus, become my CEO. Jesus, you are our CEO. And they said it on the script. It's the classic we talk about. Jesus is the head of the church. Well, are we listening to the head? Are we responding to his direction? Are we hearing his values? Are we having a mind in us like he had? Do we follow that? Then the third thing and finally is because it grows out of this whole issue to make Jesus the centre of who we are and what we do, we need power through God's spirit in the inner man. In Ephesians 3 and 6, Paul writing this beautiful prayer, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with all power through his spirit in his inner being. And he prays, goes on with that prayer to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, here's the recognition that Paul knew for himself, that Jesus knew that we needed. We need not just that sense of, yeah, Jesus is the head of us. We understand the history of Jesus, his, his, his incarnation, his birth, his death, his resurrection, now seated at the right hand of Father, the King of Kings. We understand that. But we need right now that sense of the Spirit of God directing, guiding us, communicating with us, responding to us in the quietness of our own hearts together as a group of people. We looked over the last few weeks of that, the early church and there's that passage we saw in 15 where it says, and it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. That sense of the, the openness to God's direction for you and for me, to hearing, to responding. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because there are issues that we need to resolve, both personally and collectively. We need God's wisdom on this. We're grateful for the capacity that's within our own community in terms of our skills and our experiences, our intellect. But we need more than that. We need the wisdom of God directing us. We need that. Zechariah 4, 6 reminds us, not by might nor by power, but but my spirit. Yes, yes, this whole sense. And Jesus promised to us in John 14, 16, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in not my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Well, he's come. We receive the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in Jesus. That's the new birth experience. The question is now, but this is not a, a, a once-off, but this is an ongoing as Paul was to say to the church community, be filled, be constantly, keep on being filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be open to the Spirit of Christ speaking, encouraging us, prompting us, rebuking us, empowering us. What a lovely privilege. Some of us have some lovely friends who encourage us in that way, who gently love us, rebuke us, encourage us. It's just a model of the work of the Holy Spirit for us. And often, of course, it is the Holy Spirit working through that colleague, that friend, 
bringing us to a, to a better level of being responsive to who Jesus is for us. What a privilege for you and for me. God is in the business of changing our hearts, our motives, our attitudes, our desires. And for that to continue to happen, we need to be open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus-centred. Jesus-centred. That's who we are. That's who we are as a movement. That's who we are as a local church. This is about Jesus. He's our CEO. He's our Lord. He's our Saviour. What does it mean then to be Jesus-centred? To make Jesus the centre of who you are, of who we are and what we do, then we need to listen and respond to him. We need to let him renovate our hearts and we need his power through God's spirit in the inner man. Let me pray. Lord, we're reminded again of your redeeming love for us. We heard again your invitation to come and follow you. And we ask now for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you can do your work in and through us as your people in this district in the hills. Come, Spirit, bless, guide, encourage, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.